know, it's not just about us having a quality product. It's about being able to meet the customer's needs when they're in the store, but also with, you know, this whole age of, of digital, um, being able to meet them in that digital sphere as well. And I think that's something that's great about Ovation from a guest feedback perspective. I think, um, you know, what some of the other companies like Lunchbox or, or building these really, you know, sexy branded, you know, being able to meet where that customer feels like digitally is, is really important. What's up, Zach O'Tier, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, a customer experience and marketing platform that gets you more reviews, more feedback, and more revenue. Want to learn more? Visit OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Gage Anderley, who is the Director of Virtual Brands for Dickie's Barbecue. Prior, he was the Director of Ops at Combo Kitchen and Director of Sales at Crooked Crust Pizza. He is a great guy and a bundle of energy, and that's a lot coming from me. Uh, Gage, thank you so much for joining us on Give an Ovation. Hey, Zach, so much. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've um, been watching this for the last uh, few months, and I, you know it's a pleasure to be on, and uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first of all, tell us a little bit about Dickie's Barbecue Virtual Brands. Not something, because, you know, when I hear about that, I'm like, okay, so, you know, are you just like shipping out the, the Dickie's sauce or like, what, what does this actually look like? Yeah, well, I, it's, it's a pleasure to work for a, a forward thinking company. That was one of the things that really attracted me coming over to, to Dickie's because during the pandemic, they started to really be on the forefront and look towards, you know, the future of what, uh, operators and really restaurants should be looking at. And, and that really is incremental revenue from uh, multiple different brands coming from one kitchen. So they uh, developed Wing Boss, which has been a big success. They actually just opened up their first brick and mortar store in, in Dallas, Texas, which we're really excited about. But they're already in other, over 100 plus ghost kitchens across the United States. And they also developed a big deal burger. And, and then also their latest project, this came out about two, three weeks ago, is Trailer Burger, which is a Nashville hot chicken concept. So they were pretty strategic in being able to, you know, obviously wings and burgers, they have a place, but that big Nashville hot chicken craze right now, I thought it was, yeah. was really, really uh, strategic. So, um, but also we, we offer Dickies in this core uh, portfolio. And what we're pretty excited about is they're actually um, have a state of the art meat smoking facility. And pretty soon we'll be able to uh, ship out our meats, not require smokers, um, take away a lot of the uh, more nitty gritty to running a barbecue uh, operation. So we're excited about the flexibility from the three virtual brands, but also being able to give um, the opportunity to operate Dickies uh, with you know more cost effective uh, model. So really excited about that. And it's really interesting because there's a lot of times where you want to open up into a new area, but maybe you know the cost is too much, or there's a lot of people all around the world that know about Dickies, but maybe uh, there haven't been a franchisee who's gone in there to actually like build out a full location. So this is a cool way to test markets for you as well. Yeah. Oh, ab absolutely. I think from a, like a brand perspective, it's a great way. You don't have to do a build out. There's a lot less R&D. It's a lot less of a risk. It's, it's like, hey, let's go and find some strategic areas. Let's look at the data and then see how the consumers respond to this. And, and conversely, for an operator, it's an amazing opportunity because traditionally there's not these heavy franchise fees. There's not a build up that they have to go and do. A lot of the training is provided and, and they have a lot of support from a national brand. And for a, a brick and mortar operator or, or a smaller chain to be able to take on a national brand at a low cost, um, obviously, it's super impactful to drive those incremental sales. And, and really, at the end of the day, what I tell people, it's about making your bell cow, whatever that is, um, more profitable. You know, a lot of times in the restaurant industry, you're at six to maybe 17 percent. And if, you're, if there's strategic ways to be able to drive sales and make that bell cow more profitable, then obviously we're all for that. Now, 
speaking of which, you mentioned mom and pops and virtual brands and or and and multi locations. Um, what types of restaurants do virtual concepts work best in? Well, really, it's going to come down to their set of equipment. You know, at the, again, at the end of the day, we really want to make this as low cost as possible. So some, you know, pretty high level answers to that is if you got a fryer, well, then we'll probably look at some wing concepts. If you got a flat top, we're going to look at some burger. If you don't have hood space, you know, I'm a big fan of some of the salads and the acai because a lot of those types of concepts don't require um, the hood space. And that's, again, what we're mm-hmm. excited about with the Dickies pre-smoked meats, because then that kind of eliminates the the equation of having to have that hood space for, for the smoker. So it's really, um, you know, there's not an exact uh, high level answer to that. But again, it's really more looking at what kind of equipment they have than also looking at the market. You know, right now there's a lot of saturation on these third-party platforms. Um, so being able to understand the density of where you're going and, and what cuisine is needed there is obviously pretty impactful and key. Now, as you're as you're going out there to actually launch and to start getting people to hear about you, one of the best ways to do that, honestly, is through third party, right? Because if I'm looking at barbecue near me and Dickie shows up, I'm like, oh shoot, I'm gonna go get one of them rolls and you know get some some pork and uh, some of that Dickie sauce, and it's less of like, oh, how do I find a Dickie's? Right? So third party is a great way to get the word out there, but one of the things that, you know, there's obviously going on right now in the industry is this, you know, two year long battle now with the fees. How do you play nicely with third party? It, it's, it, you know, it's a tough, that's a great question. You know, a lot of it, it, it comes down to that. And this is my personal belief that, yes, these third party platforms um, do take their, their high commission rates. But in the virtual world, um, again, we got to look at it from an incremental point of view. Now, from a brick and mortar perspective, I think that it's a, a little bit of a mix of being able to educate your customers and, and trying to be able to drive that traffic directly to your website or your apps or, or whether it's on iOS or or Android. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I think it's going to be something where being able to understand, okay, am I in a brick and mortar operation? Well, then obviously maybe it's the QR codes, maybe it's bag stuffers, maybe it's different things like that to drive awareness and LTOs to be able to make sure that the customer is aware, hey, I don't have to go on these third-party websites. I think from right. the virtual brand perspective, um, an operator that's getting super caught up in commission fees is, in my opinion, is not looking at it the right way. Because in, in our model, you know, you're going to take home, doesn't matter what the order is, worst case, 30%. And again, in traditional restaurant industry, that's just not, that's never been done before. So in my opinion, I know it's easy for me to say, but who cares if it's 20 or 25 or 30 at the end of the day, the take home is going to be 30%. And then it's on companies like what we're doing at Dickies to make sure that we're having these conversations with DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats about, hey, like, you know, we have X amount of locations, we're bringing X amount of sales, we need to have our commission rates more in line with that. So it's really two different mindsets on how you look at it from the brick and mortar view. Again, it's, it's all about being able to educate that customer on how can we drive traffic organically to our, our website. Then I think, again, that there needs to be a different kind of hat on the head for the virtual brand and not get all focused on that and really look at, hey, Every order that comes in, it's 30% or better. And I can't speak on that when someone comes into my restaurant because of all the traditional expenses that come with operating a, a restaurant business. Totally. And, and one of the things that we found is that back in the early days, the whole concept of, hey, you can't change your prices and you can't put bag stuffers into these third-party orders. Those, those were like Bible. I mean, you know, chiseled on stone. You cannot do this. And over the last couple of years, things have really softened about that. So at this point in the game, I think it's critical that we are utilizing bag stuffers, that we're utilizing, especially on third party, if it's the same menu item, 
you know, uh, bumping up the prices a little bit. People are less price sensitive. There's a higher price elasticity when you're looking at online and third-party orders. Um, there's something about the, the digital experience that is a lot different. And don't forget about the opportunity for upsell, right? Uh, because as data shows, online orders and kiosk orders are usually around 10% higher than uh, if they come and, and dine in. So there's, there's a huge opportunity there. And with that, one of the things I want to ask you about, Gage, is what do you look at when you see um, what's coming down the pipeline for, for restaurants? What, what is the future of restaurants? I mean, let's take it like a little bit into the future and then let's go far in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I disagree with anyone who thinks that, you know, in-store dining is, is over with. You know, I think a good example of that is, is, is Netflix and some of these um, cinema uh, streaming services. I, I still think people are going to want to go to the movies. And I think it's one of those pastime things. So I think being able to have a smaller footprint so that you can minimize some of the traditional expenses and then being really smart about the build out. And what I mean by that is, is again, there's no point in going and doing a single uh, revenue stream build out. There's no point in just, in my opinion, just even doing a Dickies. We should be forward thinking and how we're building these kitchens so that it can have the capacity to operate multiple brands at one time. And I think being able to have a smaller footprint with being able to cut some of those traditional expenses, still having an area for the consumers to meet, talk, greet, and be able to kind of share those warm and fuzzy feelings inside your restaurant, because I think that's extremely important. Yeah. But again, I think a lot of it's going to come down to is, is how do we effectively build out the kitchen to be able to operate multiple brands? And, and for me, again, it, it's just a hack, you know, to be, you have those rent, payroll, um, utilities, among many other expenses, why continue to pay those with one revenue stream? Um, especially when you can be forward thinking before you even build the restaurant and make sure that you have uh, the key components to be able to, to effectively run that. Because one of the biggest challenges is when the restaurant, you know, obviously when people are building the restaurants, they're, they're trying to be cost effective. They're not building huge kitchens and um, trying to add in multiple brands when you already have such a smaller footprint, that's where things can get a little tricky. So I think being very strategic about the layout of the kitchen, and then also still being aware that Yes, COVID and the pandemic went on for two years, but people are going to still want to go see movies. People are going to still want to go into restaurants. And I think you need to be cognizant of that as well. Love it. And I think when you're thinking about your staff and the how do you get full utilization of the staff, right? You have your theoretical cost of food. Well, you have your theoretical output of a restaurant. And now you will never achieve that theoretical output 99% of the time. But the concept is what else can you put in there in, in that gap between reality and theory. And a lot of people, they're, they're doing more things around selling merchandise, selling gift cards, um, you know, putting up, like, you, like you're talking about, the virtual brands, doing other things in the restaurant and out of the restaurant that will drive more revenue. We have restaurants who, uh, one of our very first customers, you know, five years ago, it's a churro company still with us today. And what they do during the pandemic, they switched to actually making churro uh churro like devices so that way you could make churros at home and they started selling the the powder to make your own churros and frozen churros and um and so reinventing and then as things are coming back they're still getting that incremental revenue from those things because they haven't taken them away and i think that's that's the exciting thing about restaurants today is it's no longer like you said a single stream i sell my food and I sell it to people who walk in my door. Now you have so many different avenues of acceptable forms of revenue augmentation. And it, that's, it's just very exciting to see. 
Oh, 100%. It really is. And that's why I think the restaurants that are forward thinking and that are really strategic and get out of that mindset. I always tell people, listen, you really got to set your egos aside because whether it's your brand or you're incorporating another brand or whatever it may be, the dollars are still going into your pockets. So you know, got to set an ego aside. You got to be strategic and really pay attention to, to the trends and where things are going. And I love what you said there about whether it sounds like that one restaurant, they listening to the customers, you know, people were at home, they love their churros and, and, and they were strategic in being able to say, hey, how can we connect with our customers even when they're not able to come into our restaurant? And what better way to do that than giving them the ability to actually make the food that they love? So that was off. That was, hats off to that. Yeah. So, so uh, shout out to Scott Porter of San Diablo Churros. Check him out. They're doing incredible things. Um, love, love the company, love the brand. Uh, so anyway, and love their churros. So what, what are some of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays? I feel like it really comes down into, you know, two categories. I think it's going to be from a, you know, an excellence perspective of, of what does the consumer expect from food quality, cleanliness of the restaurant. I think those are, you know, really key factors. And that's not a sexy answer, but I think, again, like the quality of your food and, and what the customer expects when they're eating that. But also when you walk into the restaurant every single time, like what is what does your customer expect from the brand? And being able to hit on those excellent points, I think that's extremely important. But I also think it's that old day, day and age of, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. There's got to be a hospitality factor. And I think, you know, not to bring up other restaurants on the podcast, but I feel like Chick-fil-A is something that set the standard there. Um, you know, right. not only have they set expectations with the excellence of their food quality and the cleanliness of the restaurants, they have set an expectation for when a consumer comes in the restaurant, they're going to be heard, they're going to be listened to. And I think that's something that all restaurants can play off. It's not rocket science. It's just about being able to add that into your mission and make sure that the employees uh, from top down understand that, hey, you know, it's not just about us having a quality product. It's about being able to meet the customer's needs when they're in the store, but also with, you know, this whole age of, of digital um, being able to meet them in that digital sphere as well. And I think that's one thing that's great about Ovation from a guest feedback perspective. I think, um, you know, what some of the other companies like Lunchbox or or building these really, you know, sexy branded, you know, being able to meet where that customer feels like digitally is, is really important. So I don't know if it's just one aspect. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think to have a, a really great customer experience ecosystem, if you will, it's got to play on, on those factors of excellence, hospitality, but also being able to pay attention to that this is becoming a digital world and being able to understand what your customer expects in that realm. Yeah, because it's so important. You, we no longer can look at the whites of someone's eyes, whites of someone's eyes and say, hey, is that, you know, do we like, do we like what's going on? Are they happy? Are they not? Um, so yeah, I think that's super important to, to really stay connected. What are some successful things that you have seen or tried lately? Um, again, not to keep beating on a dead horse here, but I'm a really big uh, fan of being able to have multiple brands from one kitchen. And I, and again, I think a lot of it, it comes down to a consumer education standpoint. At, at Combo Kitchen, I was able to um, really learn and, and understand, you know, how a lot of these um, multi-unit operators think. And, and I, again, I think it really um, comes down to being able to be forward thinking and understand that, you know, let's stop paying these traditional expenses with just one revenue stream. So, you know, something that I, I, I saw, um, and this wasn't, you know, fairy tales and unicorn was, is, is the, I've seen the impact of being able to add these brands um, in your kitchen, especially when it's a national well-established brand. I think that's one thing um, that I'm really excited about is, is there the the virtual brand market is extremely saturated with uh, with uh, celebrity chefs and and um, you know celebrities in, in general. Uh, one thing I did was build Dwayne Wade's brand with him for over the last 15 months, and it was awesome. But the market is extremely saturated. So I, what I've found great success in is being able to take 
you know, brick and mortar brands where customers had an experience, they've had an affinity to that and being able to hold brand standards and actually operate and execute on the back end um, inside a non-traditional restaurant. And that's what I'm really, really passionate about, what I'm really, really excited about. And, and I think that it almost makes too much sense. A lot of it is, is that educational piece um, yeah. of the operators going, oh, I'm competing with myself. I'm like, well, you're not competing with yourself because again, it's just another billboard on the highway. I, the best way that I say it is, is, you know, if you're a chicken concept and you add another chicken concept in, let's just say that there is a top 10 on, on DoorDash. Obviously there's a lot more on there, but if you're only one concept on that top 10, you have a 10% chance at a conversion. But if you are two or three of those showing up in that chicken realm, you're having more eyes on you, you're having more billboards, there's more highways that people could come and find your location. And that's, again, where ego has got to be aside. I'm sure in this example, that operator has the best chicken in town, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is driving incremental sales and making that great best chicken in town a more profitable restaurant business. So, um, you know, I'm, again, I'm a very, very bullish and I'm a really, really big fan of being able to understand the market of virtual brands and really being able to let them work for you and, and drive the profitability of really why you went into the business, your, your brick and mortar or whatever that chain may be. Love that. So who deserves innovation in the restaurant industry? Who's someone that we should be following? Uh, well, I know I'm going to give a shout out to uh, my CEO and I'm not, not being cliche or not trying to score points, but um, I've been with... Uh, <laughs> Dickies for, for about 30 days now. And, and it's been a pleasure working. His name's Roland uh, Dickie Jr. Um, he's third generation. And, and what, what I, the reason why I say this is, again, is my passion, not to keep beating a, you know, a dead horse here about virtual brands. He really was the driving force behind that. I think to be able to have three great virtual brands already in the portfolio, we're going to be developing uh, more is kudos to him. And, and really what, what he's trying to, to dive deep in, into the deep end there and being able to our team, the ability to come up with suggestions and, and, and really drive and, and trust the people that he's empowered. So it's been a pleasure working with him. It's been a pleasure working with, with Dickies. And I'm really excited about um, some things that we have coming in the pipeline uh, for the middle of Q2 and then all Q3 and Q4. Awesome. Well, Gage, how do people find, follow you and your brand? Yeah. So um, my Instagram is just gage.anderly. Feel free to follow me. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I try to be pretty, pretty active there. I'm always trying to develop my network. Definitely passionate. That's how I met with you, Zach, originally. And then obviously um, Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We're going to be starting a new virtual brand company um, at Dickie's. Uh, names is, is uh, still TBD. We, we have obviously a lot of those things aligned, but we're going to wait for a press release to come out there before we, we spill all the beans. So definitely look out for Dickie's Swing Boss, Big Deal Burger, their social handles, um, but also be on the lookout for a new virtual brand company that's going to be uh, subsidiary to Dickie's. And uh, we're really, really excited about that. Awesome. Well, Gage, for bringing the joy of Dickies to anywhere we crave it, today's ovation goes to you. Thanks for joining us on Give an Ovation, man. Thanks, Zach. I really appreciate it, man. It was a blast. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.